Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. We are in the middle of an amazing series uh, called Relaunch. Joel's message last week was so good. Uh, He talked about the fact that you have a gift, that you have a gift uh, and that everyone has one and a unique gifting, a unique thing that God has put on their heart and that your gift actually needs a family. That's really consistent with what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Let's go ahead and just read a little bit about what what, what what Paul says about gifting. 1 Corinthians 12, verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of you so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To the other, the Spirit gives the message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another, and for someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It's the one and only spirit that distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And then he makes this this kind of crazy twist. Immediately he goes into a section and says, the human body has many parts. And then he starts talking, talking uh, about the human body because, because to Paul, these ideas of having a gift and having a body are intertwined. In Corinthians, he talks about the body, or he talks about the gift, and immediately goes to talking about the body. He does the exact same thing in Romans. He talks in Romans 12, talks about the gift, and then goes to talking about the body. And then, and then in Ephesians, the same text that, that Joel used last week, he talks about the gift and talks about the body. Because how many of you guys know it is super easy to be spiritual when you're all alone, right? Like, like when I am all alone, it is like Jarrett Martin, Mother Teresa, like, like I am in good company. I can do no wrong. But you put me in, in, with like on a Tuesday night at the big H-E-B, there's only like two people checking out and, and there's a line and the person at the front, they're like fumbling their cards. My grace is not sufficient for that whatsoever. So, so, so Paul is saying that your gift needs a body. Now, when I uh, started to prepare for this message, I'm gonna be honest with you guys, this was the most difficult message for me to prepare for. And it wasn't because of the subject matter, it wasn't because of the, the, the chapter and verse, but I was just distracted the entire time. You see, um, my messages that I get, I, they just kind of drop on me. Like they just kind of pop in my head. I'm kind of a, an artist type, so I, I, I like to write songs. So just, they just kind of come to me. And I was distracted by an old memory that I have. Um, the year is 2002. Some of you guys remember it. Some of you guys may not have been alive. But the year is 2002. Now, uh, that's, that means that Jared is about 10 years old. And my parents, who are pastors, who they're, they're phenomenal uh, men and women of God, they got into the car and we turned on the radio. And the radio, I think for all 18 years of my life, was always set on the same station. Because there was only one station when you're a Christian in Houston that you listen to. Some of you guys know what it is. 
89.3 FM, KSPJ, God listens. Right? Right? I'm like, what, what is he listening to? Like, what? what? God listens to this station? Wow, that's bold. That is really bold. God listens. And then, you know, 10-year-old me was hoping that they would play my favorite worship song. You know, I, we would get in the car and I would hope every single time that this worship song would play. And it was, it was, uh, it was a, a song that answered the most important theological question for a 10-year-old. That song was called Cartoon Praise. <laughs> and the gentleman gets on and he says, I was thinking the other day, what if cartoons got saved? They'd be doing praise in a whole new way. And I was like, yo, there's this whole unreached people group nobody is talking about. He's bringing awareness. And I was like, he's answering some serious questions here. How does Scooby-Doo say hallelujah? <laughs> like, like, like before, before some of us were ever uh, uh, praying for San Marcos and praying for, for, the, for other cities, we were praying over Bikini Bottoms, right? We were like, man, I, we need to have some revival. Squidward has a hard heart. He's been dealing with depression. He needs the Lord to come and work. But that song did not play that day. The song that played that day the song I had never heard before. Let me, let me see if I can do it. It went, if we are the body, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? Don't play like y'all don't know. You're looking like, oh, that's a nice special. Y'all were jamming that in 2002. I was like, man, okay, casting crowns. I see you guys rebuking me. I was, I was like, I have to do something better in my faith. And I knew nothing about faith in Jesus at that point. I was like, all right, Casting Crowns, I'm going to get my WWJD bracelet out. We're going we're gonna to see who's the hands and feet of God now. I'm going to put my a breadcrumb and fish shirt on. You know, when Christians were kind of obsessed with like doing the crossover shirts instead of Abercrombie and Fitch or like a breadcrumb and fish, you know. <laughs> we ain't got my Maranatha disc out or little cassettes out. Some of the old folks know about the Maranatha. <laughs> yeah. And, and as much as I love casting crowns, as much as the next guy, which is to say probably not a ton, um, I think they maybe got it wrong. They got it a little bit wrong on what uh, Paul is trying to communicate here about the body. You see, Paul opens up talking about the gift because the situation that he has on his hands is he's like, man, I have an extremely gifted, charismatic congregation. Much like Sozo, you can throw a rock and hit a prophet. They, they had the <laughs> gifts just working in power, right? But they, we have to actually figure out how to do life together. There were people from all different factions, people who were coming from pagan backgrounds, people who were coming from Christian backgrounds, people coming from all different backgrounds who were gathering together and bringing all of their ideas, all of, 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 of the things that they thought about how society should go together, and now they're trying to worship God together. It sounds a little bit like the world that we're in now. I think Joel put it perfectly. We kind of live in a world of chaos, where uh, during the last few months, we've seen so much unrest, we've seen so much, um, so much bedlam happen in our nation, 
And I'm afraid that some of that disunity has actually begun to influence the church. That while we're all posting and we have our causes and we have our opinions, that we've maybe kind of looked and took a little of inventory on the people that believe the way that we believe and the people who are like, oh man, they're kind of crazy. I'm gonna, uh, we can worship together, but I'm just gonna kind of maybe uh, keep, my, keep my distance from them. There's this fractionalized community at Corinth, and, and, and Paul is about to speak to that, and he uses the analogy of the body. Not because Jesus uses the analogy of the body, but, but the language of the body was actually really popular throughout the culture. The most prominent uh, example of this is from a guy, his name is M. Agrippa, or historically known as M. Agrippa. And he was like a Roman uh, emperor type. He's the great-grandfather of uh, Nero. And when he, uh, he actually writes about the body a little bit before Paul does. I'm gonna paraphrase because it gets all Roman and stuff like that. And then he says, the Republic is a body. And in this body, there are some municipalities, there are some cities, there are some people who are really powerful, some people who really have it together. Uh, and then there are, are those who don't. And for those who don't, uh, we just kind of need you to fall in line with, with, with a more powerful, uh, privileged uh, kind of group here. That would be idea. And anything other than that is kind of rebellion against the body. I mean, often I know that sounds like, oh man, that that's, doesn't sound cool, but oftentimes we also feel like we can only get community with people on our own terms. And Paul comes and he comes with an idea that you and I have read before and sounds so simple, but is actually so radical. In, chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts, but, in, but the many parts make up a whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we share the same spirit. He says, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, Agrippa, you got it wrong. It's not that one group needs to fall in line to another one. It's just like Colossians said, it's that all of us are part of the body and all of us need to fall in line with the headship of Jesus. Which means that, that it's not about uh, if, if I like this person or not, whether we agree or not, that chemistry is no longer a prerequisite for community because we're all baptized by the Spirit together into Jesus. If it's the Spirit that brings us in and the Spirit that keeps us there, then politics, race, culture, should not be able to tear us apart. So Paul's vision is like groundbreaking. He's like Jews and Gentiles eating at the same table, slaves and frees eating and worshiping the same God. I sometimes think that if he wrote this now, not to get political, but he would say something like, man, this is the body of Christ. Whether you're back the blue or whether your black lives matters, you can come and worship together and receive from each other. I know some of you guys are like, what? 
(laughs) If you think about it, it's like, that's such a radical idea, right? Like if we walked in, I would be shocked that this happening. I'd be like, oh my, oh my gosh, these people were just at each other's necks. This is even possible, but that is the vision that Paul is pushing forward. If, if, we, if we think and consider Jesus' disciples, we actually see some of the same model happening there. So Jesus had this disciple, his name was Simon the Zealot. Uh, zealot doesn't mean that he was just um, someone who was excited, but the Zealots were actually a, an anarchist nationalist group. Their whole goal was that we, didn't, we don't want Rome to be taking over Israel. So they would go and they would ambush people and anyone that worked for the Roman government, they're like, yeah, we're gonna take them down. Yet God calls them. I can only imagine his first time meeting the rest of the 12 disciples, right? He's like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm sure these guys are so cool. I've only seen them on on Zoom and like half of them had their cameras off the entire time. And then he gets there and he arrives and everyone's introducing and, you know, men always talk, men, this question is, what is your name? What do you do? And he gets over to Matthew and he's like, heaven is Matthew. And I'm a tax collector. He's like, for, a tax collector for the Roman government? Jesus, come here. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, yeah. And Jesus comes. And he's like, man, um, yeah, what can I help you with? He's like, hey, I, I can invite you to the thing. And you, uh, you have Matthew here. And I don't think you understand, like, uh, I'm like his sworn enemy. Like, uh, you know, I'm kind of like part of this group. And my, my group doesn't really like his group. And if they find out that we're kind of together, fellowshipping together, then they're going like, to like hate, hate me. Like, this is not cool. And Jesus is like, yeah but I thought you follow me now. And he's like, oh, I mean, I do. I do. I really do. I mean, I, 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 I do. And I'm sure he's like a great guy. I mean, I'm sure he like loves you, right? But he's like bad for Israel. <laughs> right? I don't think you understand. Like he's bad for Israel. And uh, the things that he says and do, they're destructive and they're going to ruin the nation. And Jesus is like, yeah. But I called the both of you. You see, we love to call people out. We can do that all day if Facebook has taught us anything in the last few months, but the Holy Spirit calls people in. See, we love to congregate over mutual enemies. That is easy. That comes natural. But Jesus wants us to congregate over a mutual friend in him. So so, so Paul is concerned about this unity, and just as much as he's concerned about a unity in the midst of diversity, he's concerned about diversity in the midst of unity. We just go down just a little bit further. Yes, the body has different parts here, and sorry, verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear anything? If the whole body were an ear, how would you see anything? You see right here, he's saying, hey, 
We're all brought in together, but just because we're brought together uh, and we're diversity, I'm not trying to erase your diversity. We actually need that. What I'm trying to get to is your divisions. You know, it reminds me a little bit of my own story. Many of you guys don't know this um, at all. I spent some time when I was 18, I went to a church, was there for a couple years, and it was kind of a spiritually abusive environment. Guys couldn't have uh, long hair, we couldn't, um, we couldn't wear skinny jeans. It was just like a ton, we couldn't have rips in our jeans. There's a lot, we couldn't have earrings, a ton of stuff. And I eventually left uh, and then went to Dallas. I love that Natalie thinks that's so funny. She's like, you can't wear skinny jeans. Uh, I originally went, went, to, went to Dallas, went to an amazing church uh, that was very, very helpful for me in that season. Um, but it was like kind of like a business. I knew to get favor that I had to kind of um, fit in. I had to do the slacks thing. I had to, I had to have like, uh, I had to just kind of be like this, this kind of businessy guys, a lot of business guys who kind of started a church together. Um, so I eventually leave there kind of looking for something new. And a few months ago, me, Joel, Steve were having a conversation and some, some other leaders at the church. And the question came up of how we should dress when we come and speak. And we, we all kind of had some thoughts. We didn't land on anything. And at some point in the conversation, I said, look, guys, the truth is, is I have earrings at home. I have a nose ring. I had green hair in January, which none of you guys saw. Like I have all of these things. Um, and you know, I, I kind of put it away when it comes to church stuff because I, I, I know the game. I want the older guys to respect me and things like that. And a few days later, uh, at the Sunday morning service, I walk over to Joel. This is not why my hair's blonde right now. This was already planned. But I walk over to Joel and Joel says, um, you know why you were talking about all that stuff? I was like, yeah. He said, wear it. Wear it. I was like, man, that is actually what Paul is telling his congregation right now. That whatever it is that is the unique imprint that God has on you, wear it feel comfortable in your skin. What Joel recognizes is the same thing that Peter recognized, that if we can only receive from people on our terms, if we can only receive from people that look like us, if we can only receive from people that agree with us, we actually miss a massive part of the kingdom. And we actually begin to stop being a church ourselves and functioning in the way that we were created to If we're all an ear, we actually can't function. If we're all an eye, we actually can't function. So God is comfortable with who you are. As, as you come more into the body of Christ, you should become more comfortable in your own skin. He doesn't get rid of who you are. He redeems who you are. So, so whatever it is, God is okay with like how excited you are about the nation. He's okay with how excited you are about your ethnic identity. He loves all of that stuff. All he's asking you to do is submit it to him. And anything that causes a division, anything that causes uh, uh, that little like, "Mm, I don't know, just submit that to him. Give it to Jesus. So how, how do we become this just radical community uh, that, that Paul is speaking about, that Paul is talking about? And he gives us a key. He gives us a little bit of advice here on how to, on how to do it. Verse 22. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. 
The parts we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts protect those parts that do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that the extra honor and care that is given to those parts, uh, to to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all of the members care for each other. That's important. Extra honor makes for harmony amongst the members. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. If one part is, is, is honored, all of the parts are glad. I love this, this piece on honor. That is the key. If we want to be this radical community, which I believe is what God is calling us to be, uh, this ascending place that we can send people of any type of culture to any culture, we have to be radically, radically marked by honor. You see, we, we live in this culture of resentment. Some people say anger is when you're mad at someone who's like your peer, but resentment is when you've kind of made a judgment and you look down your nose a little bit at that person and you say, you know what, they're, they're just not quite at my level. Um, you, you, be, you take one idea, you take one thought, you take one bad thing that they did and you boil them down to that and you become very black and white. And whenever we have that bit of resentment, that bit of judgment, self-righteousness is also there. The Corinthians were an extremely self-righteous group of people. Uh, historians say that if you walked around, there'd be all of these shrines to, uh, to, 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 to honor. All these shrines that people would make themselves so that they can feel honored. See, they lived in a, in a, in a, in a uh, culture of honor and a culture of shame. So the worst thing you could ever do is shame someone. The best thing you could ever do is honor someone. So they had the bright idea, I should just honor myself. It's just that genius. But Paul comes and he turns it on its head, Right? He said, you should give extra honor and give extra care to those who have, who have less dignity. Like that, that's earth shattering for these people to hear for the first time. What, I should give extra honor? I should give honor to the poor amongst me. I should give honor to those I disagree with. I should give honor to those who I don't think deserve it. I should give honor to those people who I'm just, I just go to church with, who's, who are just kind of hidden in the background. He said, yes. What, you should honor the ordinary? Because Paul knows one thing that we have to be in touch with, that no one in this room is actually ordinary, that no one amongst us is normal, that some of you, some of you in this room are gonna touch generations, that some of you in this room are gonna touch nations, that some of you in this room are gonna break generational curses off of your family for the first time. That the person next to you is part of the body of Christ. They themselves are an image bearer. You have to begin to look at each other as image bearers of Christ, that everyone has something to give, something to learn from, gold that you can mine. Paul in Romans said something along the lines of outdo yourself in honor. Just be fighting over who's going to honor that next person. It sounds crazy, but I've been in the room with a lot of very, very wealthy people from, from one of my previous jobs. Jerry Jones, Mark Cuban, a lot of people like that. Um, I, was, I worked at a restaurant. It wasn't bougie. Um, <laughs> you're like, well, what did you do? Uh, I brought them food, okay? And whenever they walked in, people would look and they'd be like, oh my gosh, is that, is that Mark over there? Billionaire Mark Cuban? 
But what if we begin to carry that type of honor for each other? What? Steve, the father, the grandfather, Darby, the pie maker. Oh my gosh, I get to know Darby? Like that woman, not only is her pies good, like you should get to know Darby, but like, man, she is filled with such grace and has such a joy and a light about her, some sensitivity about her. If we just begin to recognize in each other the goodness that God has, we would turn the world upside down. And it's funny that Paul doesn't just say, hey, just honor each other. He takes it a step further. He says, whenever someone amongst you is honored, you should feel glad too. A lot of times people can be honored and we're like, cool, that was good for you. Improvement over being like, they didn't deserve it, which is like me. Like that's my flesh. It's like, uh, why don't you honor me? But he says, no, when someone else is honored, you should feel glad. See, Dustin, my best friend, roommate for the last two or three years, just got engaged. He was happy this weekend. You know who else was also happy? I mean, Caitlin was happy. But I was also happy, right? Why? Because my homeboy, my best friend, my do or die, my thick or thin, just got engaged. Like, we've been waiting for this moment for a long time. We've been praying, we've been talking, we've been strategizing. <laughs> and why is it... Why is it that, he, that I have so much stake in what he's doing? It's because we've been close. We've encouraged each other. We've rebuked each other. We've been in the trenches together. We've worked together. And if we're not at that place yet, where we can just look at each other and say, you know what? I'm, I'm glad when someone else is honored. That just means that there's more place where the Holy Spirit has to work within us to bring us more tightly and more closely together. Paul ends by saying, let me show you uh, the most excellent way of them all. We're kind of running out of time here, so I'll make it quick. But he goes on for the, to, to talk about the famous passage that all of us have heard, so uh, maybe no need to read it. But the love is patient, love is kind. And he says, you know, if I, if I don't have any love, then all of my giftings mean nothing. All of my prophecy means nothing. Everything, uh, everything that I have, all, all, all of that is just, it's just noise if I don't have love. You see, your gift needs a body. Your body has to be united. We get united through honor, but all, the basis of all of that is love. Love is not just some like, uh, value that's just hanging out in the ether and maybe someday we can like fill it and know what it is, but love is actually a person. The Bible says that, 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 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and now we have a message of reconciliation. You wanna have a message that, that hits people. You wanna have a message that serves people. Make sure that, that you live a life where you are just radically reconciled to God. I mean, the work is complete, but, 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 but those areas of your life that you're like, man, I need God to work on these. I need God to work on the areas where I have judgments, where I have up walls, where I, where I have little prejudice. Bring it to him. Say, let, let him reconcile it all. Let, let, him, let him work on your heart. And as we do that as a community, 
we'll be able to reconcile the world and partner with God. Why don't you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes. As I close here, I just believe that God wants to put his finger on our hearts. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever area it is, um, maybe you're like, man, I have just been so, uh, been, been in so many fights and been so, so much arguing and so much strife over these last few months. Come today and find rest in Jesus. Come today and, and submit your battle to Jesus. And he wants to put his, his finger on that and touch it. He wants to, to, to you to encounter his love in those areas. I'm gonna pray and uh, as soon as I pray, uh, we're dismissed, but feel free to stay for as long as you want to. We're gonna have our ministry team come up. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, anything, uh, please come up and receive prayer. Lord, I thank you for this community. I thank, I'm thankful that we're a community that will be marked by radical unity, that will be marked by radical honor, that we're gonna be marked by radical love. I pray for all the areas of our heart that, that, that uh, don't align with what you're doing, God, don't align with your kingdom, that, that we, you just give us a grace to submit those things to you today. That as we walk out these doors, that we walk out as people of as reconciliation, not as people of division, not as people of separation, but that, that people are reconciled to the Father through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, church. You guys are dismissed.